house of flesh. Oh, it's but a prison. It's but a prison. Bars of gold. They hold my soul. Oh, but the doors of clay will burst wide open when the angel said my spirit free then I'll take my flight then I'll take my flight like the mighty eagle when the hands of home start calling me oh I see feel that call I'll tell you what this can't live in this world the way it is anymore this the only place is to live in Christ amen good to be in the house of the Lord tonight good to be here on this Wednesday and I just want to greet you all to be here and just such a nice spirit of worship here tonight just want to make mention um, just a couple of things uh, sister Helen Bamblitz has passed away Lord willing, we're planning for a funeral up in Whitehorse, a little memorial for her February 1st. Um, 
Just be in prayer for those that are helping. Sister Terry here, Sister Eileen up there. There's um, a lot of things to deal with, and uh, I'm sure they would welcome your support. And uh, so we just want to remember our sister was a warrior, and uh, her prayers are going to be missed. We all need to pick it up, and I just pray that the Lord help us. Um, some of you also know, I'll just share a little background, but um, several years ago I worked, well now it's over 10 years, I worked with a businessman in Ukraine. Uh, God had dealt sovereignly in his life. He came here, he made his home in Saskatchewan. We helped him with the design of a home, got to know him quite well, and, uh, and he, he opened his heart to the message. He's given to the me- much to the message. Um, he had a son, actually was his son, was named Gregory, was the first one in his family to be baptized. Lord had moved on him while he was here. And uh, he's a grown man of 28. And last year he wanted to go back and be a medic, be a volunteer in his home country of the Ukraine. And so he was assisting there. And this, a couple of days ago, he was killed in action. And uh, it's very grievous for, for the father. It was his only son. And uh, some of the believers had got to know him quite well. It's sad we don't understand everything, but we rest in the fact that God does all things well. So that family needs our prayers too. So if we remember, we remember both of those families. Amen. Let's just sing a little chorus. This is just simple, but it's such a nice spirit. Let's just sing, I love him. I love him because he first loved me. I love him. Father, that we as mortals could utter those words from our heart that we love you. And Lord, only because you first loved us. Father, this evening as we've just come and gathered in just to sit around your word, we're 
sensing your presence that's been here in the worship in the hearts of your people. And Lord, we just desire now that you would be welcome in our midst, Lord. Come and minister to us, Lord. And Father, may we also minister to you. May we express our hearts to you, O Lord. For what would move your heart, O Lord, but a child that turns its heart to the Father? Lord, as it's also expressed in a, in a bride to a groom. Father, all these things are upon us. This is where we're at, Lord. Father, we desire to live in them, move in them, breathe in them. And we'd invite you now, Lord, just come in our midst. Lord, minister now, we pray. Father, as we stand here, we remember, O oh Lord, the, those surrounding the death of our sister Helen, sister Terry, sister Eileen. Oh Lord, may you be a, a help and a strength to them at this time. Lord, just, Father, you do all things well, and we thank you so for the life of our sister. Pray, O oh Lord, that you just work out all the details and everything surrounding it, and just help them, O oh Lord, be with them. And, Father, we also want to remember the family of Brother Vitaly, Lord, his son, Lord, that has passed away, and it's just so grievous for him as a father. Oh, God, may you just be there. And Father, you intercepted his life many years ago, supernaturally. You brought him in among the ranks of the message, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you would just continue in his life and their lives, and I pray that you'd be with them. And now tonight, as we just look into your word, Lord, we ask your anointing, your blessing be upon it. Bring it to our hearts, Lord, not just our heads, but our hearts. I pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. I know we're still, as one brother said to me a couple of days ago, he says, Man, I'm still living off of the effects of the meetings we had on the weekend. And we so thank God for his moving. We thank him for his continual revealing. And it wasn't just around a, a speaker. It wasn't around just a meeting. But it's all around Christ. And, and we just want to carry him with us in every aspect of our lives. Hebrews chapter 10. I um, We'll just read maybe the first 10 verses, and I'll have you be seated. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. But it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Now, we're making a transition from the law, which was rules and ordinances and a shadow and a type, a speaking of greater things to come. In fact, good things to come. So we don't 
view it all negatively, but it's a step forward. So now he talks, we're not just talking a sacrifice, but now there's a body, now there's a temple, and now it switches to the will of that temple. And he says, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings for sin, thou wouldst not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So under the first, there must have been an obedience, but it wasn't really a full and willing heart that could be given in doing it. Now, there was, there was foreshadows of it, but that couldn't come forward in its fullness under the, the blood of bulls and goats. So he would say in verse 10, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You may have your seats. God bless you. Keep your Bibles open. I'm going to pick this up a little further in verse 12. I'm going to speak tonight on the power released in His will. And I, I'm going to take this. I really had another thought that I wanted to go, and then I got influenced a little bit by a Bible study we were doing last night, and I felt I'll take this first before I go to the second part. I'll just lead into it, the Lord willing, by the end of the service, and we'll pick it up again. But let's just read in verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now earlier in the book of Hebrews he says, they that are sanctified and they that are, that one that sanctifies are all one. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. So by one act we were all included. When he went to Calvary we were in him then. And he saw us in them then, and actually it goes deeper than that. So, but let's just read. He says, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to, the, to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, when he says, I'll put my laws in their hearts, he wasn't saying, I'm going to make them robots. They're going to obey. They're going to do this. I'll command them this. But he's going to change our hearts. He's going to make our hearts after his own heart. He's going to give us a heart that loves him back. In other words, the more he shows of himself, the more we reciprocate back. I don't know how you feel about the message, but the message has become greater all the time. The revelation of Christ has become greater all the time. The love of God, the expanse of God, it just knows no end. And I'll say this, oh, let it fill us. Let it cause us to bring joy. Let it cause us to love Him more, serve Him more. Now, 
And I really had parallel thoughts that I'm running here today, but I'm, I, I'll just avoid trying to make reference to it. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, man was on the basis of free moral agency. He had a will to choose this or that or whatever he wanted. That was what God had put in man in the very beginning. And tonight, we sit on the same basis. We are free moral agents. God, being a just God, he could not give Adam and Eve one covenant and us another, but we are all on the basis of free moral agency. We have a right to choose. God will not force you to serve him. God doesn't work that way. He doesn't beat you over the head with a hammer. If you feel like the message is that to you, I'll say this, you've got to step back and say, oh God, let me see you. Let me not see you that way. I believe it was Martin Luther years ago when he was just, you know, the, the church was just coming through the ox age and moving into the anointing of the man age. And Luther himself, he was, in, he was a, a priest. He was uh, in, in the Augustinian order. And he desired to serve God. And, and he thought, you know, the more I serve him because he couldn't ease his conscience. And he says, the more I serve him. And, you know, he became the monk of all monks. He became the one that would, would do all the penances. He would confess for hours at a time. He would wash floors. He would do menial tasks. But he still couldn't ease the conscience that was in him. And finally one day he's there before a priest and he's confessing and he's confessing and confessing. And the priest says, Luther, I think you hate God. And he says, absolutely. Any God that makes you do these things could not be a God that's just. And then the priest having compassion on him Oh, God knows how to do these things. He says, Luther, I'm going to give you something. It's called the Bible. Why don't you read that and study that? And when he did, that's when God opened the door. And he saw the just shall live by grace, not by rules, not by those things. And I believe we, we, ought to, we need to see that in a higher way. Let's not make the message rules and regulations. And you got to see that. Let it be about a relationship. Let it be about a personal walk with God. So he puts everybody on a free moral agency. Now, Adam and Eve, before they fell, now Adam, he was a part of God, he was all of God, and Adam really uh, was not deceived. Even though, and Eve was built in such a way, and, and, and she was built in such a way, not that she would fall, but she could, because of, of the way she was, her headship was to Jesus, to, to Adam, and when the serpent finally beguiled her, he broke that, that something, and she, she gave in to it, Adam at that moment had a choice to make. He says, do I stay with what God has done for me and what I know is right and where I'll be safe? Or this that came out from me, that was a part of me, do I make a choice to go out and redeem her? And Adam chose by love. He went out and he went out for Eve knowing it meant he would lose everything. But it was an actress. Sorry, <laughs> I hit a high note there. I, I wouldn't do that when I was singing. I know that for sure. But he says, Adam would know that by, by what he would do, it was, and he didn't realize it, but it was an attribute of God by divine love hitting, hitting and reaching out across the lines. And, and, he, and it was Adam doing that. Now, we could say 
That was the beginning, and that's where man fell, and that was God's original way. Now, in the plan of redemption, that was the the Adamic covenant. That was the original covenant. You do this, and then I will do this, and etc., etc. But then God starts another covenant with Abraham. And, and in Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, I, I won't refer to it, you, you know it well, but he says, Abraham, he says, uh, if you go out, no, you go out and I will bless thee. And I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee. And I will do this and I will do this. And if you really look at it, there was little that Abraham had to say in all of it. But God said, I will do these things. Now, it doesn't mean that Abraham was free of his own moral will. Abraham had a will that he could perform. He had, he, whatever Abraham would choose, you know, it, it wasn't that God ignored it because Abraham made mistakes along the way. And, and, and the mistakes that Abraham made, God just waited until, or he ordered the circumstance until such a way that Abraham would choose. So we know that Abraham, he took his father with him. He took Lot with him. That wasn't what God called him to do. But as Abraham walked along the way, he walked in greater obedience to the will of God for his life. He gave his own heart to that. The more that God revealed to him, the greater that his heart opened up. He would show him the dust of the earth and say, that's how your seed will be. He would show him the stars of heaven and say, that's how your seed will be. And the more that Abraham saw that, the more he believed God. The more he was filled with God. The more that he walked and he began to choose free moral agency, he did that because of his revelation. Not intellectual, but he saw the love of God expressed to him. So therefore, when Lot chose, he says, Lot, you choose whatever side you want. I'll take the other. Because Abraham already decided, I'll do whatever God wants anyway. And so it was Abraham who chose. He chose by faith that which Lot looked with his eyes. But Abraham says, I'll just take the part that God gives me because he's already promised me. When he saw, when he, when he saw prior to meeting Melchizedek, he went and rescued Lot. And he stole back Lot and all the goods. And the, the king of Sodom says, I'll give you all these things. And he said, I don't want one shoelace of it. You have it. And then he met Melchizedek, and now for the first time, not tithing by an order, but tithing from the heart, recognizing everything I have belongs to God. And Abraham free willingly said, I will give you a tenth. So now we see out of, out of predestination where God, you know, Adam fell because he couldn't obey. Now God predestinates, but he doesn't take the aspect of free moral will out of the equation. He allows Abraham to choose. He knew what was in Abraham. He allowed events to come knowing that what was in Abraham would choose. His heart was inclined after the things of God. He would choose the things of God. Now he'd also make mistakes. He listened to Sarah when Sarah said, here, take my bondswoman to fulfill the promise. And, and Abraham would make those mistakes. But yet in the midst of all of it, Abraham began to, to give his will, his heart unto God. Now, it all came down to the very end of Abraham's life. Let's just go down to Genesis 22. Turn with me there, if you will, real quick. 
Genesis 22. And this is when Abraham now has endured 25 years. He has gotten Isaac and he sent away Ishmael. Now Isaac is his only beloved son and God tells him, go and offer him up on the mount. And we know the whole story. And Abraham went and now the dearest thing to him on earth. Now there was a progression to get to this place. The bride in this last day will overcome by three things. One, by the blood of the lamb. Two, by the word of their testimony. But there's a third that we don't often think about or take into account. And that is, they loved not their lives unto the death. Now, it would take a lot to come to that place. But here's Abraham. Look how God brought him to this place. And he takes it. We know the story well. We can read Genesis 22. Come right up to the point where God has him. He binds Isaac on the altar. He takes his hand. He's about to slay him. And the, Ab- and the angel of the Lord calls to him and says, and this is in verse 11. And he says, Abraham, Abraham. And he You know, Abraham knew he was being obedient. He was doing it out of love for God. And the greatest thing he loved on earth was this is the choice he was making. And he chose God. And he was ready to hear what God had to say. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Abraham, here am I, verse 12, lay not your hand on the lad, neither do anything, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you've not withheld your son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. This is the first manifestation of the name Jehovah. Jehovah meaning one who exists with family. But it's, it's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees, the Lord who knows, the Lord who provides. Now, now I want you to look at this just for a moment because this is a principle. I'll just take in a few incidents here. But it was Abraham by choice, by love, and when he projected that, grace came down. Grace came down and provided something for him. Now, that's still the greatest thing that moves God's heart. When you love him and love reaches out and it goes beyond the barriers, I'll tell you what, nothing moves God more than that. You can sacrifice. You can say, I come to church. I paid my tithes. I paid my offerings. There is offerings, by the way. Offerings are not something that's mandatory. But the Bible does say, those who pay in tithes and offerings. So in other words, it's saying that God still loves an offering. Once in a while, instead of just viewing everything with God as a business transaction, God loves it when you just go beyond, I don't have to do this, but I'll do it. Friends, what was it with Bartimaeus that so caught the attention of God? It was Bartimaeus. It was his only lamb. It was his eyesight. It was all he had. But when he cried out, it said the, the prophet would say, he never, Jesus never heard him with his ears. But he heard his heart. That's still the thing that pleases God. Friends, that's the covenant I want to be under. 
Oh, you know, this, this is not the kind of thing that'll come by, by a prescribed set of rules. You know, a lot of people just say, okay, what do I got to do? I'll do it. Whatever I got to do. I'll tell you what. Do you, you want to serve God in a greater way than that? Listen. Okay, we'll, we'll say it this way. And I'll just borrow a phrase, but if you're here, if you're here tonight to serve God because you're scared to go to hell, you haven't gone far enough yet. I'll go a step further. If you're here today to serve God because you want to go to heaven, you haven't gone far enough yet. Well, what I got to do, brother? I mean, you've just covered it all. No, I haven't. If you're here because you love the Lord, like Brother Branham said, though he slay me, I'm just in love with Jesus. To know him, thy loving kindness is better than life. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. God bless you for that song, Brother John. It is well. That's when you find yourself going. And Brother Branham said, somebody called him an antichrist. And he said, well, if that's what the Lord wants for me, I'm more than happy to do it. If when I come to heaven and he casts me out, and he casts me out, I'll say, thank you, Lord. You talk about being in love with God. That's in love with God. That is something, that I'll say, that's a relationship. Now, so here is Abraham, he comes to this place, and when he comes to this place, and he sees this ram in this thicket, and it's Jehovah Jireh, and now in verse 15, the Lord, the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham out of heaven the second time, saying, by myself have I sworn, because you have done this, and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Now, look at what this act did. It now pronounced a blessing. It put forth an inheritance that was going to come upon all of Abraham's seed. We're living under that. And we're not only living under that, we're projecting the same. Now that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multi as, multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of the enemy. And he says, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Oh my, in sacrifice and offering the Lord has no pleasure. But in that, to do your will, Lord, that is, that is the thing. Now, Brother Branham talks here in the message, uh, and this is in uh, a message I love, and it's, it's the message Christ revealed in his own word, 1965. And, and he's talking here about somebody who came to him and said, now, I'll just skip the first part. He says, now, I don't believe the Bible is a Jewish fable. He says, well, when you pray, what do you pray for? He said, I prayed for so-and-so, and I didn't get it. He said, you pray wrong. You should, we should never pray to change God's mind. We should pray to change our mind. Now, you take the model prayer, and the model prayer is, our Father, which art in heaven, glory, worship, hallelujah. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before you ever ask for forgiveness before you ever do anything. You're saying, Lord, you're righteous, you're God, you're over my life, your will be done. There's a release that goes with that. 
So when you begin to pray that way, thy will be done on earth as in, in heaven. And so then you begin, and then you go into the other things. You know, give us our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those. But, but it's first, let me set my heart to you. What does prayer do when you, before you leave the house? Lord, I give this day unto you. I don't know what will happen, but Lord, you're the Lord of my life. You're the God of my life. I release my will to your will. So, now here, here we see this. Now, I want you to hold this thought because uh, I'm using this as a, as a basis. Now I'm going to kind of jump into something else a little bit because I, I, want, I want to follow this through now just going to Abraham's seed because in, in Genesis 15, God promised Abraham, your seed will sojourn in a strange land for 400 years, but afterwards I'm going to bring him out with a mighty hand. So let's go to Exodus chapter 20. And in Exodus chapter 20, and I'll just read a por portion of this, but this is now they've come out to the mountain. Moses has led them to the mountain. It's, it's a mountain that quakes and thunders and does all these things. And the children of Israel said, don't let God speak. Let Moses speak. Moses comes back and he gives them the Ten Commandments. And he says this in verse 20, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Now, this is really all under the title of thou shalt have no other gods before me. God is a jealous God. God will not allow, and I'm, I'm going to bring this in a future service, but he will share his glory with no man. In other words, he won't favor one above another only if he decrees it by his own will. You're not going to gain his favor any better other than just being obedient to him. He loves that. He loves, he loves a willing heart. We'll, we'll come to that. But he's spending a lot of time here on thou shalt have no other gods. And he says, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So you could serve God, you could serve this commandment, but you could hate it and it would be iniquity and it would get passed down. Now, now look at how God takes account of this. And this is under the first covenant, really. This is under the law. Now, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So I'm not going to read the rest of it, but, but look at the principle. God, and, and, and I think in one place he actually says, and I gave them the law that they may love me. Now, could you imagine a father asking for love? I, I think he'd rather have it when you give it out of your heart. Could you imagine a husband asking his wife, will you love me? I mean, I think you asked that in the beginning and, and, and things. But then she makes a commitment. But you're not going to come home and demand it. I'll tell you what, that, that sure is a poor way of doing it. Yeah, some, some of you are laughing. <laughs> Did you hear what, you go home tonight. Did you hear what Brother Ed said tonight? <laughs> and, and, see, you know, you're, you're just going to say, you remind your wife of that, right? Okay, i got to get off that. 
Now, now, so here he's doing that. Now, he reciprocates the same thing in Deuteronomy 5. Now, we, we took this in, in the thought of, of a generation that had circled a mountain and was going northward, and he brings the same thought to them. And, and, and there's aspects of that that are, that are wonderful, that they're great, and I'll not go into it tonight. But the element of free moral agency is there under the law. Now, let's go to Exodus 25. And, and again, I'll just, just take it in this vein. I really won't cover all of it, but I want to take a few types out of here. Exodus 25. Now, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. So it's an offering, it's given. Of which every man shall give it begrudgingly without... Oh, sorry, I read something wrong there. <laughs> no, that they give it willingly with his heart, you shall, you shall take my offering. Now, just, just, just follow it. And this is the offering which you shall take of them. Now, he goes into a lot of different elements here. But, but notice, it's willingly. Now, the law is a shadow of good things to come. Drop down to verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So now, the sanctuary was going to be, at first, a natural sanctuary. It was going to be a tabernacle. It was going to be those things. But it was projected. And as we heard on Sunday night, one greater than the temple. And, and we need to just see these things as a type moving to where we are and, and recognize this has really been God's plan all along. He has not deviated. This is what he's moving to. Friends, he's moved to this hour where he's not going to have a people that are governed by a, a commandment. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. Even though they will do that. But Jesus would say, if you love me, keep my commandments. So he's looked for a people, a peculiar people. A people that are not in it for anything other than what he wants for them. Now, let's go down to, okay, I'm going to skip that. Let's go down to Proverbs chapter 8, if we can just turn to that for a moment. Proverbs chapter 8. Now really, Solomon is dealing here with wisdom, and I, I won't get into the fear aspect of it, but in, in, verse, in verse 14, he says, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. So wisdom, and you know, we, we can translate that into knowledge if we're not careful, but there's a difference on wisdom. You know, it's one of the gifts of this, uh, the gifts that has been given is wisdom. And, and to have godly wisdom, that, that's a gift, not godly, you know, and there's godly knowledge, but I'd say this, wisdom. Now, now just take the next verse. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Now, what's moving that? You know, it's love that's moving that. 
You know, and, and just let's just go a little further. Riches and honor are with me, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the pass of judgment, just judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. Now, and I will fill their treasures. Now, the love of God, and then we, we don't serve him because we're going to gain a reward. But we love him. And out of the love, there's a natural reciprocation on the part of God to give gifts unto his children. To have an inheritance for them. It's, it's just a natural way of, of life. And, and, and you could read, there's a whole portion that's wonderful here from verse 22 to verse 31. The Lord possessed me in the beginning. I won't read all of that, but let's just drop down to verse uh, 33. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Now, in, in this uh, quotation I started reading, and it was, you pray wrong, you pray to change God's mind, but it's our minds that need changing. And, and prayer should be, Lord, change me to fit your word Change my mind. Change my mind to your will. And your will is written here in the book. And Lord, don't let me get my mind set just, or let me get it set just like your mind. And when your mind, when my mind is set like yours, then I'll believe every word you wrote. And you said you'd make everything work together for good to them that love you. And I love you, Lord. And it's all working for good. Now, I'll, I'll remind you just for a moment of the, the story of Brother Branham when he was uh, on an airplane in Memphis and he was ready to board and then he couldn't board and the Lord spoke to him and said, just start walking. And he started walking and he walked further and he walked further and, and, he, and he met a woman, which we would call the Aunt Jemima woman. He called it a colored woman in the South, as they would have that terminology. And, and he met her. And, you know, here's a man who is used to discerning people and discerning things. But for the first time, a woman discerns him and says, good morning, Parson. And he says, how did you know? So, she didn't say, I got a gift of discernment. But something greater constrained her. And so she discerned. Why? Because something was moving on her heart. And it was a mother's heart. And she had a boy that she would not let go of. A boy who had contracted a social disease. A boy who was dying. And she, out of love she cried out and said, Lord. And she saw that woman in the Bible and she said, I'm that kind of woman, Lord. Where is your Elijah? Now look at what's moving the heart of God. It was the love of a mother for her son. And here's a prophet in that city. And there's a plane that's about to take off. And the pilots have engine trouble. And the, and the Lord speaks to him to move. And he comes in that house. And he says, I've never, I've been in king's houses. But I felt at home in that house. 
Why? It was a place where God was welcome. It was a place where God dwelt. And where he is, all things are possible. And she was dwelling in that atmosphere. And then he says, so why don't you pray? And he says, after she prayed, oh, I knew she got a hold of God. And then he prays, and as he's praying, there's that boy, and, he's, and he just, just starts to go, oh, so dark, it's so dark. And all of a sudden, oh, mama, it's getting light. It's getting light in here. Friends, if that was your boy, that was your son, you, you need that kind of a God to come on the scene. And finally, here's Brother Branham, and he's, he's making this, and he's just saying, now think about this. I, I, I left that place. I hurried back. It had been two hours since I left that airport. And I came back, and as I got in the airport, here it was. They were making their last call, boarding for such and such a flight. He said, what did that? The love of God and the grace of God brought an airplane out of the skies and set it on the ground, all because of a, he, see, he calls it an ignorant color woman's prayer in faith and her love for her little boy. Now, if it'll do that, what will it do for a born-again group of people that's sitting here today? Now, faith worketh by love. Now, I'm going to just go back to a couple of things here. and uh, Go with me to Genesis 29. I want you just to notice these are sometimes little things that are in the Bible that we pass over. You know, I'd started a few weeks ago or a month ago or whatever. I took a couple of services on, on the law having a shadow. This is maybe a little continuation in a different way. But this is in Genesis chapter 29. And it's kind of an interesting thing because here's Jacob. He, Jacob has now, he loves Rachel. And in loving Rachel, he... Uh, he worked for seven years, and it seemed to him just as it were a day or two. I was talking with Brother Matt, and his wife's name is Rachel. And he drove down to, to Tucson, where she, where she was, and he was 17 years old. He was there on a one-week trip. He said he stayed a month, and he traveled back and forth a number of times. He found that traveling was expensive. He took a part-time job at Wendy's in the evenings to make more money to visit her. And he says, and finally he says, I gave up. And after 10 months, we got married. I, did, I wasn't going to fulfill seven years for her. He said, there's no way of that. <laughs> but listen, look at this principle. Now, and, and, and so, what did I give you there? Let's do verse 31. Okay, verse 31. Now, in loving, and he got Rachel first, he worked another week, and then he agreed to another seven years, and he got, uh, he got Leah, and then he got Rachel right after that. And here he had both of his wives. Now in, in verse 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. Now just think about this. God doesn't want to work on the principle of of hate? You know, God is far greater than we are. I, I, just, I need to share this. This just comes to me. But it was a devotional, and, and it, just, it just struck me today as I was reading it. And, and it was, uh, here we are, just bear with me. But I, I was reading this, and I was just sharing it with a brother. And, and we were talking about Spurgeon and his meditation, and he uses Neither shall one thrust another and shall walk everyone in his own path. 
Now he talks about locusts always keep their rank. They don't crowd on each other. They walk in, 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 in columns. And he says it's remarkable how God has infused this spirit of order into his universe by the smallest inanimate creatures that are controlled as they are rolling spheres or seraphic messages. It would be wise for believers to be ruled by the same influences in all their spiritual life. In their Christian graces, graces, no one virtue should usurp the sphere of another. In other words, he says, or eat the vitals of the rest for its own support. Affection must not smother honesty. Courage must not elbow weakness out of the field. Modesty must not jostle energy. Patience must not slaughter resolution. So we talk about it this way. You can have a fight or flight syndrome. So if you're a fighter, everything you do will be on a fighting spirit. But in fighting, sometimes there's a lot of collateral damage. And if you're, you're, you're a, a flight person, well, I'll just let the Lord take it. You'll never amount to anything. So there's a balance in all these things. Now it's talking about our own walk with God and how we must have a balance in all these things. So also with our duties. Now listen to how he says this. One must not interfere with another. Public usefulness must not injure private piety. In other words, you can be serving God so much at church, you don't even have a prayer life at home. Oh, I'm doing this at the Lord. I'm doing this here. I'll tell you what, we need a balance. And he says this further. He says... Uh, church worship must not push family worship into a corner. I go to church. I raise my hands in church. What more do you want? You got a household. You got children. It, it's all part of the big program. And it says, it is ill to offer God one duty stained with the blood of another. My, my, my. Now he goes, everything is beautiful in its season. Now, this is all regarding our roles. He goes on to say, Our Lord Jesus taught us not to covet the high places, but to be willing to be the least among the brethren. Far be it of us to be envious, an ambitious spirit. And he says, Let us feel the force of the Master's command to do as he bids us, keeping rank with the rest of the host. Let us see whether we are keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace, and let our prayer be that, that all the churches of the Lord Jesus, peace and prayer may, may be above all. Now, I, I share that because I got that after I found a, a quote of Brother Branham's, which was to me amazing. I found the prophet to be one of the most sensitive to the working of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I found that he always gave room for God to deal with the individual. He didn't come and force anybody, and I'm the prophet, and it's thus saith the Lord. No, on the, on the other hand, he was completely yielded to God. Now this is in a message in 1953, how the angel came to me. It is one of the most amazing things in the, that I've noticed in the lines of ministry is the peculiarity of people. Have you ever noticed that? Everybody's different than you? Yeah. <laughs> he says that now. The study of human life is one of the greatest things that a person can study to watch the nature of people. And the different parts of the nations and the worlds where you go, you'll notice that there's a different attitude that people takes towards Christ, 
towards his servants, towards his services, towards worship. So you go to one place, it's not the same as the next. Listen to what he says here. And one of the things has been that one type of meeting will be wonderful in one part of the country, but it won't work in another part of the country. Oh man, that's amazing. Is there any value to a local church and a local pastor? Yeah, because God deals with us individually in a way he doesn't deal other places. Are you against streaming? No, I'm not. But don't put that above what God is doing. Now he says, I believe that the blame for this is the way most people are taught. A church will never live higher than the pastor teaches. You seldom find if you've got a good, sound, sane gospel teacher, you'll find the same in that type of church. That's just where your pastor leads you, where your pastor feeds you. I thought, I read this, oh God, help me not to project myself. Help me not to project even what some other minister is saying. Help me to project the part that you have for your people that are gathered here today, tonight. I don't know who will be here. I don't know all those things, but I want to be tied to him. And you want to be tied to him. I don't know who's preaching. I don't know what they're going to preach, but Lord, you move him. You lead him. You know, we can get everything in such order. We leave out the best part. That's his part. And we say, oh, the service went exactly right on time. It did this, it did this. But what if God has something else? And i got to be conscious of the same. What if he wants to stop the service early? I want to be ready for that. <laughs> Who said amen? <laughs> God bless you, sister. <laughs> okay, I interrupted. Let's just go back to the Bible here. So here, notice this. And the, and the Lord saw that Re Leah was hated. He opened her womb. Wow. He's speaking to Jacob while he's doing this, you know. And Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. Now, this, this is amazing dialogue to me. And she said, now, surely the Lord has looked on my affliction. He did. And now, therefore, my husband will love me. In other words, here's the condition. Now, for sure, Jacob's going to love me. And she puts this condition on it. And... Verse 33, and she conceived again and bare a son because the Lord had heard that I was hated. So there must have still been an ongoing problem here. He hath therefore given me this son also, and I'll call his name Simeon. And she conceived again and said, now listen, every time it's with the condition that I want my husband to love me. And look, the third time she says, now this time my husband will be joined to me because I have bared him three sons, therefore his name was called Levi. But now here's the fourth. And there's always something about the fourth. The first generation, the third, the fourth. The fourth inherits things. The fourth, look what happens the fourth time. The fourth time she conceives a son, she says nothing about her husband now. She says, now will I praise the Lord. And you know what? Everything dropped from her. And you know what? Actually, and now something happens, and, she le and his name was called Judah. Judah was the one that was the lineage of Christ. Look at how it was born. It was born not out of a condition. It was born out of love. Out of love to the Lord who's given me that. Look at how this was the very root of the whole thing. Now, I, I dropped this in and I could bring other types. And I'll, I'll drop this in because our time is going. I, 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 I remarked and I brought Phineas into the equation here. Phineas, I brought this, I think, a service week and a half ago. But I just said, Phineas, 
was not governed by the agenda or the social circles of the princes and things around him, but Phineas had a vision and he saw something and he loved God so much. He was so immersed in the word that when he saw such a diabolical act, a prince taking one of the Moabitish women into his tent, that he went and it wasn't out of hate, it wasn't out of spite, but it was because he loved the Lord first. He loved his word. And he went and he, he put the spear through both of them. And now if you read about Phineas, as a result of that act, the Lord accounted an inheritance to Phineas and those after him. Now just think about this. One act and it brought an inheritance. I'm, I'm coming back to what Adam did. And I won't get it to it today. Now take, just take another one. I'm going to take this one for a minute. This is Moses. Moses is up there on the mountain. God is sick and tired of the people. He's fed up with what they're doing. And he says, Moses, separate yourself from them. And he says, and I will make of you a greater nation. Now Moses, because it wasn't him having a better idea than God, but it was the spirit of Christ in him. And he tells God, no, blot my name out of the book. Rather than take them. And you know what? God could not cross that line. Because his name was in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. And God could not cross that. Friends, do you realize the covenant we're under? God cannot go out. If your name is on the book, you will come. You won't come forcefully. You'll come because when those seals are thrown open, you see your name on the book. You don't see it literally, but you see it. Oh, look at the love that was projected to me. How can I not help but serve him? God has respect to these things. Under the law, under the law, these were little foreshadows. You, you could, we could take other ones here. And I won't have time, but David's men, who David just desired something. And, and they didn't go and fight all those Philistines to get the water of Bethlehem. They did it because they loved David. They saw he was a king coming into power. And when he did, they did that, he did it out of love for their king. And David, he honored that. He says, I can't drink. This is too great. And he says, because David wasn't the true king. Christ was the real king. Now, I, I could take other types here, but we already talked about Abraham, Jehovah, Jireh. We could talk about others. Listen, I'll drop this one in. It's Ahab. You say Ahab? Yeah, Ahab. Yeah, Ahab, after judgment was pronounced on him and his house and everything that was going to happen, and Ahab... He actually, you find a verse where Ahab goes back to his house, puts on sackcloth and ashes, and humbles himself before God. And God comes back to Elijah and he says, do you see what Ahab did? Because he did, now the most wicked king, but the principle, God honors the nature and spirit of Christ. And Ahab, he demonstrated humility. You're right, Elijah. I was wrong. And then because of that, the word of the Lord comes through Elijah. I will not judge you in your generation, but I'll do it in the generations after. So there was a measure given to him. This, to me, there's such wonderful principles when we go on this. Now, let's just, my, how did we get there? Okay, I won't get into this completely. 
Oh, my, my. Okay, let's just take, take this. Just think about this as I'll set the stage for the next service. What did Adam lose? We can all say, well, he lost his title deed. It went back in the hands of God. It went back in the hands of God, and, and as a result of that, he, you know, he lost his inheritance. He was the God of the earth. Okay, so there was, there was a natural part to the inheritance which was reflected in Israel. Okay, but there was also a spiritual part. He was the God of the earth, the king of the earth. He lost, he lost the faith. He, lost, he, he was now consumed by doubt, by fear. He lost his life. His life as a son of God. The Holy Ghost is our life with the Son of God. Let's just jump back. This will be the last scripture. Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25. And I'll, I'll have to pick it up from there. And all of this I, I, I was going to use as a preamble to where I was going to go. And we'll do that in the next service, either <clears throat> Sunday or Wednesday. We'll see where we go. Okay. Leviticus 25, just as I read this. Okay, I'm in Exodus 20. Okay, Leviticus 25. Let's just read from verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, speak unto the children of Israel, when you come in the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years shalt thou sow thy field. Six years shalt thou prune thy vineyard and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year, okay, now look at the principle. It will be a Sabbath of rest Unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard, that which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest. Thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of the vine undressed. It is a year of rest unto the Lord. I'm just setting a principle that I can't go into. But what is that? what's the seventh seal? Resting time. What is it? What you can do? No, it's what God can do in you. And he says, the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee, for thy servant, for thy maid, for thy hired servant, and for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee, and for thy cattle, and for the beasts that are in thy land, and all the increase shall be thy meat. We'll stop there. I'll have the musicians come. I'm going to read this quote just as I close. This is in the message, Oneness. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give it to a point where you will never be able to get yourself completely surrendered to God until you have the Holy Ghost. You can agree with a lot of the Word, but you'll never be in complete harmony. And, and the Holy Ghost is not there to force you, but when you can align your will with Him. Now, let me just drop this as I close today, and I really feel like I've not finished my thought, but that's okay. I needed to put some preamble in. Oneness. Friends, I'm persuaded that many of us have received the Holy Ghost, but we have received just enough Holy Ghost in us to make us to a place where we don't want to lie, where we don't want to steal, where we don't want to do anything. Is that what the Holy Ghost was sent for? Now listen, God wants to fill every fiber of his church. He wants to fill your thinking. He wants to fill your mind. He wants to fill every bit of you just so you can be completely dead to yourself or to your thinking, just so surrendered in God till his words just living right through you. You don't know anything else but God's word. You stay with his word. It is life. My word 
words are life, said Jesus. How many desire more of the Holy Ghost? I don't want to go through this unwillingly. You know, God, He's the great fisherman. He told His, his disciples, I, I, I'll make you fishers of men. And sometimes when God caught us, it was a bit of a fight to get us. But once he got us, and once you realized it was him, and that he was looking for you, he wanted you, he desired fellowship with you, I'll tell you what, then you don't start putting up a struggle anymore. But it sure is a fight to get you there sometimes. It was a fight to get me there, but I'm so glad he found me. I'm so glad he caught me. I'm, I'm so glad. There is something that is released to us when we can surrender to God. And, and the other part of what I want to get to, I, I just don't, it'll be a mystery that will be made known, but I'll turn a corner here in a minute. We'll do that. Let's stand together. So glad you found, so glad he found me. With arms he, that's the one, yep. I'm so glad. I'm so glad he found me. With love he bound me. Put his arms all around me.